Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 229. This week, we're talking with Dwayne Frazier about how God leads us and praying for unreached people groups. Whatever your involvement in the kingdom was last year, purpose to make 2018 even more so. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks for stopping by and welcome to the show. We provide ways for you to hear a message make connections, and take action. This show is made possible by generous support from listeners like you. Visit engagingmissions.com patron to learn more about how you can be involved. This week, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about unreached people groups, and I think this is going to be a great conversation. But before we get into that, I just want to share a uh, thank you to Christina, Anita, Robin, and Jesse, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. It's great to have you. It's great to connect. I look forward to connecting with you even more on Facebook. And for everyone else, if you haven't yet done that, you can visit uh, visit facebook.com slash engagingmissions to connect right there. Now, as we go into our time with Dwayne, I would just encourage you to listen to some of the ways that God moved in and through his life. Those might speak to you as God continues to guide your path as well. I think you're going to really like this. All right, today I am just so incredibly happy to have with me Dwayne Frazier. He's with the Joshua Project, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that is. But before we get into that, Dwayne, I just wanted to, to say welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Oh, this is, this is absolutely my pleasure. And as, as I was kind of trying to get to know you over the miles, one of the things I did was took a couple minutes just to look at your LinkedIn profile. And it says that you're a researcher with the Joshua Project. Can you share a little bit about what that means, what it is that you do? So sometimes that's a very boring job, but it's an exciting <laughs> organization to work for. What we do is we collate information, people group information, on all the people mm. groups in the world. And so my specific part is being that postmaster, answering all the emails, but also collecting all the elements that make up a people group profile. So that's photos and text description. And my wife and I, we handle some of the translation volunteers do for Joshua Project. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do every day on Joshua Project. Wow, that, that's really interesting. I'd never thought of a researcher kind of functioning as the postmaster and using that to, to collate all of that, that kind of stuff. I, I would imagine that, you know, you, you mentioned that sometimes it's boring, but I would imagine also there are sometimes really interesting things that come across your, across your desk, so to speak. Are there any of those that you're able to talk about or share about? I can share one that just recently happened. I got an email and then a call from this person. This person was calling me from a country. I won't name the country, sure. but they were actually looking for one of the people groups from our website, an unreached people group. And they had a team 
actually in the area trying to locate this people group. Wow. And so I was able to, with some mapping that we do, I was actually able to get them a little bit closer to where that people group lived. We didn't, none of us really knew for certain, oh, this group lives precisely here, mm. but we were able to collaborate and find them. And as a result of that, like on that trip, some people from that unreached people group came to Christ. Wow. Oh man, that is, that's so incredible. That's not boring. No, not boring at all. And, and man, I, I'm just so excited to hear about that. You, you mentioned, we, we've talked a little bit about the Joshua Project and we're going to talk about it more, of course, but I would imagine a few people don't necessarily know what it means to collate information about people groups and what the purpose of the Joshua Project is. Can you share a little bit about that, sort of the mission and what it is that you do? I'll go right to the beginning of the Joshua yeah. Project. So it began in 1995 with something called the AD 2000 and Beyond Movement, so that the kind of their battle cry was, a church for every people group by the year 2000. Mm. That's not, that was a goal that was reachable that did not get reached, but mm. we knew that the church around the world had the resources at that time to do that if they would all obey best possible scenario. But in order to know whether or not the church was available for all those people groups, we needed to know who those people groups were. So that was actually the founding of Joshua Project the purpose, our sole purpose, is to keep a list of every ethnic people group in the world and an indication of whether or not they're reached with a gospel. Mm. So, And then we just make that freely available to the global body of Christ so that they can send strategically. That, that is an incredible resource. And I would imagine that you know, if if a particular denomination or a particular group was to try and do this and then another one tried to do it themselves, you would end up with a lot of weirdness and a lot of wasted resources. But the fact that you you have this available and you're able to make it available pretty much to anybody, I, I would imagine that brings incredible value as well. Have, have you seen, like, I don't even know how to ask this question other than just to say, how how have you seen this information used and how have you seen it benefit the body? A lot of organizations use the, the people group information to make those kind of decisions mm. that I was just referring to, like, where do we go? When we say, where do we go? I don't mean geographically, although that's part of the whole puzzle. But, you know, the, the Great Commission is to, for us to go to every, all the nations. Now, that word kind of throws us off because mm-hmm. it doesn't mean countries, the Greek word is ethne. You can kind of hear ethnic in there. Right. Jesus was sending us to every people group in, around the world. And so those organizations then take that information and they often are making decisions about where to send the missionaries. So to, okay, so maybe we're in this country, but to be the most strategic, where are those people groups or who are those people groups that are cut off from the gospel? Who are the gospel deprived? And to make them a priority. So it's for mm. prioritizing sending of pioneer missionaries. That's how the organizations are using it, individuals. In some t- cases, it's an entire denomination is using it. But that's what it's there for, for the body of Christ. 
Okay. And, and a pioneer missionary in this context would be somebody who's, who's the, the first with boots on the ground, so to speak. Is that right? Right. So we're not talking about, again, we're talking about unreached people groups, which I can describe exactly what that is in a yeah. little bit here. But when we say unreached people groups, we're talking about territory that isn't the most popular place to be doing missions. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the the least, the last, the lost. You know, we're talking about the when Jesus says in Acts 1-8, when it talks about going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what we're kind of getting here. This is the, you know, in the in the countries that are the most restrictive, the languages that are the most difficult to translate the Bible in. So mm. it's really we're we're kind of getting down to a an end goal. We're we're pushing towards a finish line, and it's just it's the hardest that's left. Yeah, that, that's cool. You know, I, I just realized as we were talking, I had intended to kind of start off by getting to know you a little bit, and I headed right into the Joshua Project. So I'd kind of like to back up for just a second and talk a little bit more about your journey, because it, it seems like you've had a really interesting journey. I, as, as I was kind of looking around, it seems like you you worked in the marketplace, you spent some time in Mexico as a pastor, and then some ministry things. Now you're with the Joshua Project. And I, I would imagine that there have been some pretty significant transitions in, in your life going from New York to Mexico and then to, to Colorado. As you look over the, all of those transitions, how have you seen God be faithful in the times of transition? Well, uh, one of the funniest things for me, and just really tell, tells, really is showing how God guides us, is so I went from New York first to go to school in Minnesota. I went to okay. Bethany College of Missions. Yeah. It's now called Bethany Global. But, you know, I was there. I was not there for missions. I would not highly recommend, I guess, to anyone that you go to a college or a school that has missions in its name if hmm. you're not going there for missions. But that's what I did. <laughs> and, you know, halfway through my what was supposed to be a shorter time there, I felt the Holy Spirit calling me in a very marked way. And the message to me, his words, not audibly, but it's very clear that he was saying to me, you're waiting for everybody else to go. and You're not willing to go yourself. Wow. And that just hit me my, like a ton of bricks. And I changed my plan completely. And, or I should say God did. And then that's what took me to Mexico. The first time was on an internship with Bethany. And that just changed the course of my life. And mm. I, I guess, you know, w- one of the foundational things I learned from that and learned in my life is I never want to say no to God. I, mm. I cannot imagine living saying no to him. I can trust him with my life. I can trust him with my family. And I know that I would never be content fully unless I was where he wanted me to be. So I I learned around that time, I would say very strongly, you know, just be at the helm there of the, of the ship and keep a really light hand on the helm as God guides it. Wow, man, I, I love hearing your heart in that. That's just incredible that you, you 
get to the place where you just never want to tell God no. That That's a, to be just transparent, that's a place that I aspire to be sometimes. I don't know that I always walk in that place. I, I'm also thinking, as I look through some of your information, it looks like you spent some time as an interim pastor in Mexico. H- how did that happen? Yeah, exactly. How did that happen? <laughs> so I was in Mexico, actually. It was, my focus was missions. What I that I was an interim pastor was kind of an accidental thing. And I was pastor just long enough to realize that I'm not a pastor. <laughs> and it was, it was a fun time. I was just covering for, for a while as they were between pastors, but mm. that was interesting. I mean, in, I think it was only like eight months or nine months. And in that time I was able to marry, bury and baptize all in okay. Spanish. And that was that was quite an experience. Uh, my wife is from Mexico. I met oh. her while I was on the mission field. And so that's what, that's why I was actually pastoring that time. We were waiting for her to be able to come into the States as a permanent resident and now as a citizen in order to be a part of Joshua Project. So while we were there, our the church we attended needed a pastor and we we just stepped in. Wow. I, I just love hearing that. The the heart to serve and also the realization that that's not your calling. I, I can, you know, looking at myself, I've never tried to step into a pastoral role, but I also know that's that's not what God's equipped me for right now. So I, I applaud you for realizing that. We've talked a little bit about what God's shown you over the last decades, in particular, how he's walked you through some of these transitions. I'm wondering now, what's God been showing you over the last few months or maybe the last year? Well, for one thing, the, the guidance piece, I think, is is all taken care of. I feel like we, you know, my wife asks me periodically, you know, how are we, where are we at as far as continuing to work with Joshua Project? And I, for me, it's just, you know, just listen to him and we don't, we don't move until he tells us mm-hmm. to. And I guess I think my personality is one where I'm just, I'm not quick to move on to something anyway, but <laughs> just being a part of Joshua Project as we are, it's, it is so rewarding to be, to be a part of this. There are only, we're only a few people on staff actually, but mm. it's, it's incredible to be a part of that. So I think contentment is a big part of this. Wow. And then just what does it look like to do everyday mundane things and, and exciting things as a husband and a father and just be faithful in every detail of life, I guess. Wow. Is there maybe a scripture, some kind of foundational scripture that keeps you going when when you do start to feel like things are going slower than you'd hope or, you know, things get a little bit boring? Is there something that you go back to and go, this is the scripture that God has given me for this? I'd say that one thing, it's kind of maybe a weird verse, but Habakkuk 2.14, which is, which says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And the waters cover the sea pretty well, you know, (laughs) but, but our, our calling is to be a part of seeing that. Mm. And so again, that contentment thing is found in, you know, we get to be, we get to be a part of ensuring that the glory of God is everywhere. Man. That's that's really exciting. You know, just just this weekend in in our local church here, 
just some of the songs that we sing. Pay attention to the words that you sing when you're when you're singing worship mm. songs or the old hymns. And, you know, so much of that is proclaiming his glory. And, you know, I've heard it said, and maybe some of your listeners have heard this too, but this saying that missions exists because, you know, when praise, when God's praise doesn't, you know. Yeah, the, where, the John Piper. he's not... Yeah, John Piper. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're, that's what drives us every day. Man, that that's good. The Joshua Project is, is really about raising visibility and providing information about unreached and unengaged people groups. And I'm wondering about your experience. When was it that you first began to realize that there were people that never had the opportunity to hear, like there was no opportunity for them to hear the gospel story. I think that early on that time at Bethany, I was learning about that. That was a, really the only time, there the, I should say the first time I had heard people, you know, come to my church growing up who were talking about missions, but I didn't catch it in the same way that I began to when I was at Bethany there. And then just going on the field in Mexico and learning that, you know, not everybody in Mexico speaks Spanish. Mm. There are nearly 300 people groups mm. in Mexico, you know, tribes there with all their, all with their native tongue, you know. The truth is there that the gospel is much more readily available than in other places. But some of those tribes still are cut off from the true gospel. Now, they have some kind of veneer of Christianity, mm -hmm. but a lot of them have real animistic beliefs. And just recently heard about one of the tribes there where someone got in trouble because they were trying to, you know, do a church service or, you know, just plant a church down there. And they got in trouble in this, this tribe is kind of notorious. It's a little bit wild west there. Mm. But you know, it's kind of hard to believe that just our neighbor to the south, if you live in the United States, you know, not far away from us, some people are cut off, again, from that true gospel. They have some kind of, of religious, you know, Christianity, but it's so mixed up with other things, it's unrecognizable as anything biblical. And then if you just consider the other side of the world and some of what those people, I mean, those, now we're really talking about people literally just cut off from the gospel people. There are some people groups, not all unreached are in this category, but there are some people groups where no individual has ever heard the name of Jesus Christ. And, and that's, yeah, I got exposed to that through the steps that I've taken in mission. And the, the, the more I learn about that, the more I can't do I really can't do anything else unless, again, God makes it very clear he wants me to do something else. Yeah, man. As I'm thinking about that time when you started to realize and God began to open your eyes to the reality, I can kind of look back and, you know, I have a history with missionaries coming to church and, you know, not, not, not really seeming real. And then God beginning to open my eyes as well. And I'm wondering, as God began to open your eyes and you began to see lostness and began to see the reality of people who didn't have access to the gospel. What, what was that realization like? What was it like for you to go, my eyes are open and now I'm seeing this thing that I've never seen before? Well, one thing that was refreshing to me was 
again, back to what you and I were saying about when we've heard people present in church at, you know, you kind of get this vision of what a missionary is and how <laughs> they live and just these, these weird people, you know, you know, doing, you know, out in the jungle with a pith helmet on or something, yeah, you know, but what I, as I was walking in these circles more and more, what I saw was just people with a huge spectrum of abilities, talents, interests. And I really got excited about the fact that we're all called to this, but we're all called to fit. I'm actually doing a puzzle this weekend or this week. And, you know, it's like that. Yeah. I mean, every piece is very important. And, you know, there's not, like we were saying about, uh, I, I don't feel called to be a pastor, mm-hmm. but someone needs to be the pastors. You know, I I sit, my job is to sit at a computer screen. That, for some people, they'd go crazy, you know, doing that all, all <laughs> yeah. day. And you know what? The great news is whatever we have as our interest, abilities, our experience, our background, God is very acutely interested in using that for his purpose. Mm. I, I would imagine sometimes, especially dealing with email and having the, the amount of information that I, I'm imagining comes in, that it could be easy sometimes to become numb to the reality of what's going on, to just kind of begin viewing it as another day in the, the day of days. How do you continue to maintain passion and focus on the reality of what's going on when it would be really easy to just shut all that stuff off and just kind of do the work and go home? That is a great question, and it's a, something that we're very susceptible to, I'd say. When, one of the things that we have available is the unreached of the day. Mm. So every day, tens of thousands of people are praying about one specific unreached people group in the world. And I'd love to tell you that I'm engaging with that every day, you know, and I'm passionately interceding for that people group. The truth is I get caught up in, in, you know, my everyday job that helps, helps all those other people pray. And if I'm not careful, um, you know, the the word you use was numb. You, You can become numb when you see this many people groups and that many who are unreached and and such need. Yeah, it's a real temptation. And I'll just be honest, I, I, I really need to increase my passion, my daily passion for what we're doing mm. on, on that level. Just praying for the unreached of the day, for instance, in a, in a much more focused way. So great question. I'd love to say <laughs> that I'm doing better than I am. Well, you know, I mean, I can say for myself, I wish that I did better as well. I, I've had somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 missionaries on the show. I'd love to say that I pray for every one of them every day, but the, the reality is I don't. Some days it's, it's a challenge for me just to remember. So I'm just, you know, I, I'm with you. In fact, I've been considering it for me personally, if there's something that I need to change about my routine to make sure that I do a better job of it, because I feel like there's something different between just naming people's names as part of a list and actually taking the time to focus on them as well. And I don't feel like I, I do that very well either. So I, I'm there with you and I'm, I'm walking through this as well. As you think about how God's walked with you so far, has he begun to reveal any answers for you about how you can engage better? I think just as a group, as Joshua Project, our, our staff, 
I think we're we're more focusing on on doing that on on mm. not just doing the 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 you know running the gears of of what helps others to pray, but actually doing that ourselves. And even in our home here, my wife has just recently said, you know, we we start out our breakfast with prayer and with reading a verse. I have two kid, two small kids, mm-hmm. and so we don't get in it too too long. You know, we're usually like a lot of families just scrounging for time first thing <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. But she just recently challenged me again that that we need to be bringing that people group of the day to our breakfast table. So that's something that we can do very, you know, very practically speaking. That's something we can do tomorrow morning, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's good. I, I like that suggestion. That might be something that we need to pick up as well, because I do feel like there's a, a place for us to enter into this as well. And just not because of who we are, but just because I want to be part of what God's doing. And if this allows me to enter into what he's doing, then why would I not want to do that? As you think about your time with Joshua Project, has there been anything that's surprised you? The first thing that surprised me about Joshua Project is how many people were on staff. (laughs) When I first visited Joshua Project, I was living in Mexico. We came up here. Joshua Project is centered here in Colorado Springs, and all our staff is here. At the time, there were three people in the office. Wow. And when I came, there were still three people because I was actually coming on when someone was going off staff. So Mm. currently, we have a grand total of four. You know, so it surprised me that this level of of people group information was managed by four people in in one office. So that really surprised me. Wow, that that's really neat. Is, is there anything that you wish you would have known when you got started that you've picked up since you've gotten started? I think I, I wish that I could have been a little bit more proactive in in things that I would have learned just very practical, everyday things. And so I guess one thing I'd say as an encouragement maybe to anyone listening to this, especially maybe the younger ones, learn all you can, learn programming, learn, you know, another language, just everything you can accumulate as far as that, as talents and skills, God wants to use that in his kingdom. I would say just don't let that detour you. But yeah, those hobbies, those interests, those little quirks that you have, they're not by accident. I think they're by design. That, that's good. And you're talking to a guy who's a bit quirky, so I'm, I'm eating that up. As we begin yeah. to kind of turn our focus toward our listeners a little bit more, I'm going to throw you what I think might be a softball. And I'm just going to ask, if there's somebody who's listening to this right now and they're going, man, I wish that I could be more engaged in missions or in what God's doing to reach the lost, but I don't feel called to missions, what would you suggest that they do? One thing that I've done for myself, and I've challenged others with this too, is just take a look at last year. Okay, so take a look at 2017. What did you do, you know, specifically for furthering the kingdom in 2017? Now, you might look back and you might be feeling a little bit guilty right now, but purpose to make 2018 a step up from that. Hmm. So if you were giving to the kingdom and financially in 2017, maybe you're in a better position in 2018 to kind of step that up. If you're supporting missionaries, maybe it's time to catch up with 
you know, just the cost of living. If you didn't pray very much in 2018 or 17, or maybe you did, but maybe you could step that up a little bit. Make each year, so make this year, just ratchet that up a little bit. Whatever your involvement in the kingdom was last year, purpose to make 2018, you know, even more so. So I think that's very bite-sized. Yeah. But then be, you know, be prepared for God to do something very radical and that it won't, wouldn't be a small increment. I mean, you, God might take you across the, the you know, over the pre- precipice, you know. But, but yeah, just just make sure that you're not going backwards from 2017. Yeah. Now, we're, we're definitely going to make sure that we link up the Joshua Project for people to connect with. And I'm wondering, besides that, is there a book or a resource that you'd recommend for our listeners? There's a wonderful resource that focuses on more geography, so more countries of the world. Some of your listeners will probably have heard of Operation World. Yeah. And the it's a pretty thick book, but it has every country in the world listed. And it's a prayer guide for those countries. Actually, we work very closely with the editors of that resource. And so what we do as far as people group feeds into that book. And then what they tell about the countries of the world feeds into the information that we have at the website. So it's kind of cross-pollinization there. Again, the focus there is geography. Our focus is on people groups. But that'll really open your eyes. And it could be very helpful in get you know transferring some vision to someone as far as where they would focus their attention, they're praying, they're giving, and maybe eventually they're going. Wow, that, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. And to be honest, you know, in, in my mind, until you kind of broke it down, the Joshua Project and then the, the, the World Project has kind of worked together in my head, and it, it's been hard for me to separate them until you broke it down. So I appreciate that. How can we best pray for you? I was just sharing with you, Brian, just before the, yeah. the recording here about just some problems that we're having recently, just barely recently about the website. So we've had some, I don't know if it's malicious attacks or just some programming glitches or something. It's kind of rare, but our website has been kind of shaky and Mm. it's been off, you know, it's been down a couple of times. And so, you know, I think what we're doing is very key to the whole enterprise of missions. You know, it's a link in the chain. So if that link, is broken, then, then that's, you know, it's not good at all. So we would really covet your prayers for protection. I think there's a potential for the, the enemy to work against us. I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but there are real enemies of the cross out there. And mm-hmm. I know that there have been in the past, we know specifically of some people who have, who have tried to be malicious and so just pray for our protection, the protection over, I guess, each of the staff people, and then also over the website, any resources we want to offer the global church. Yeah, that that's good. And for those of you that are listening, I would like to encourage you to just go ahead and do that right now. Just pause this and take a minute to pray for Dwayne and to pray for the Joshua Project, just like he's outlined, that God would protect them and that they would be able to continue to provide this incredibly valuable resource so that we can engage in prayer. Sometimes it can seem like prayer is just 
speaking words. And of course, we believe that's not the case, but sometimes it feels that way. But let's, let's be honest, prayer makes a difference. And if they've provided resources so that we can pray better, then we want to make sure that those are available for people to engage in that. Now, Dwayne, as we, as we draw this to a close, I'm wondering if you could challenge us or leave us with just one thought or challenge, what would that be? I would challenge everybody to do what I haven't been doing as good as I'd like to, and that is engage with the unreached of the day. Mm. And just allow God to break your heart for one people group that's cut off for the gospel every day. Actually, maybe not every day. Maybe that's too much. You know, maybe that gets over overwhelming. But, you know, we have a mobile app and we have emails. We have several ways of engaging with this, but allow that to wash over you, that fact that there are people who are not as gospel-blessed as you are. And so I guess my challenge would be just to interact with that. Make that be one of those things in 2018 that you do different than 2017. Maybe just the simple act of interceding for people that you may never meet, but who really need to have a kingdom breakthrough among them. Wow, that that's great. And again, for those listening, I'd encourage you to just do that right now. I just, while Dwayne was talking, I did it. I just grabbed my iPhone, went to the app store, and I typed in Joshua Project. So I know that the app is there. And if you do that and download it, then you've got the opportunity to engage with that as well. Dwayne, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. And I've really enjoyed our conversation. My thanks to Dwayne Frazier for being with us. I really appreciate him taking the time to do this. I thought it was great, and I really enjoyed our time. I'd also like to say thanks to Jeff and Gabby for the work that they do to make this show possible. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Dwayne Frazier. That's probably the best way to connect with our guest and find links to the valuable resources we talked about. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be hearing about discipleship, missional living, and serving God in the military. And I thought this was a really fun conversation. I think you're going to really enjoy it as well. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe to make sure that you don't miss that. And if you found this valuable, I'd really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word. You might be the person that God uses to make a connection, to deepen a relationship, or to provide valuable resources as you sow into his kingdom. And one last thing, and I don't mention this every time, but I rely on you and the guests of this show to find more guests for this show. So if if there's somebody that you know, a missionary or a church planter or a ministry leader that you think would be a great guest for this show who has a story to share and who might benefit from being able to share their story, I'd really appreciate it if you'd let me know about them. You can send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Just let me know how we can connect. I would love to pursue some opportunities to connect with some, some more missionaries, some more church planters, and some more ministry leaders to keep bringing this show to you. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again so much for being here. I really appreciate that you took the time to do this. I really appreciate you, and I really hope that this this show is continuing to minister to you and to make a difference in your life and in the world.